This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Deschal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Throughout this series, we want to go back to those Bible basics. How does God see relationships? How does God define relationships? Today, I'm going to lay a foundation and then Dr. McCorney, Pastor Milton, Pastor Tommy will follow and lay further truths to do with relationships. But we just want to go through what God's intends. Today, mostly today, what I want to do is to cover principles that govern relationships. And the title of my message today is Relationships, Stroke, Single, Unmarried, Alone. Now, the statistics in our church say 72% of our church is under the age of 35. Not only that, of those, the majority are single, including the youth that are in here today. And the single concern themselves with one thing, getting married. The married who have done it wrongly concern themselves with one thing, getting out. (laughs) So can we find God's true perspective on these matters? Firstly, I want to begin by saying that God's motivation for creating man was that for creating the earth was man, was you and I. Man is at the center of God's creation. God was motivated to create man by love so that he could have a being he could love and relate with. The Bible says that God is love. For love to exist, it must love. Simple. Love cannot exist outside of loving. There must be a being to love. Man is God's love. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am God's love. And he wants a reciprocal relationship with you and I. So let's look at what the worst scenario could be if that were the case. After we've mentioned everything that we've mentioned, if you could put that slide up. The worst scenario that could ever happen, or the worst scenario in heaven and earth, is a broken relationship. That was God's worst scenario in the Garden of Eden. And that was the reason Jesus Christ came. He came to restore a relationship between God and man. So it is with man as well. Broken relationship threaten everything created and life itself. We have an enemy called the devil. And the devil is the originator of broken relationships. He broke relationship with God in heaven. We have the problems we have today because the devil influenced our break of relationship from God in the Garden of Eden. He's still in that business today, influencing man to break relationship with God, which then affects man's state of being and the quality of life and relationships on earth. Write down this principle. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. Pastor Tom said that in this season, relationships are key and central to our successes. It's not just a seasonal thing. This is a life thing. Relationships are key to the quality of life you and I enjoy on earth. The foundation of successes and failures of relationships that man has 
are found in the first four chapters of the book of Genesis. In those four chapters, we discover that relationships is at the center or at the cornerstone of everything God does. Everything God does is birthed out of relationship, including creation. He said, let us make. So, in the same way, the first thing that God called not good in the Bible was in the context of relationship. That is, man was alone. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone. There was none like man that God had created for him to relate with. Even though man had gone about naming all the animals, naming all uh, the plants and you name it, there was none that was like him that he could relate with. Although man had a relationship with God, there was none like him that was created for him to have as an object of his love and to relate with. So there are three pillars I want to share with you today. One of them will shock you. The two of them you may know. And these three pillars are the pillars of our existence here on earth. So I'd like you to put up those pillars. The pillars are, first is the love of God. Second is the love of self. Third is the love of others. You say, Pastor, mm, love of self. Can that be true? Well, the Bible says this. It says the two greatest commandments are this, that you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as you love who? Yourself. So we cannot live out the third pillar, which is loving of self. In fact, relationships begin with loving God, the author and the creator of relationship. Then the next step is to love self. What does loving self mean? Loving self basically, in, in, in short, means this. Seeing yourself the way God sees you. You and I cannot see ourselves the way God sees us without having a relationship, an intimate relationship with God himself. Only from that context of loving ourselves, of seeing ourselves the way God sees us, can we love others. Let me give you a practical example. It is crazy to go out looking for someone to love you when you don't love yourself. You're basically asking that person to love what you don't love. That is hypocrisy. So we repeat, the worst scenario is broken relationships. Now, there are two types of relationships. The first type of relationship is an interpersonal relationship. And I think we all know what that is. The interpersonal relationship is the way we relate with one another. Relating with people outside of yourself. Very important. The next type of relationship is called an intrapersonal relationship. I submit to you this morning that your intrapersonal relationship is more important than your interpersonal relationship. Your intrapersonal relationship is your relationship with yourself. The way you see yourself. The way you value yourself. Your interpersonal relationship is determined by you and I's conformity to Christ-likeness. In fact, the Bible says the way we see ourselves should be in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says it should be like staring steadfastly in the mirror. And when we look in the mirror, beholding in the mirror the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
that we are being transformed into the same image that we see in the mirror. Because you and I are created in the image and likeness of God himself, of Christ's likeness, our very goal is to become like him. And when we become like him, we can then relate with others. That's why the Bible is very clear that a man should love his wife as Christ loved the church. But then at the end of Ephesians 5, it also says that same man should love his wife as he loves himself. That means the context of loving others comes from our very self-efficacy, our very, very own self-image. And our self-image comes from how God defines us or how we see ourselves. We have the wrong self-image outside of the way God sees us. And this is where the breakup of relationships begin. The breakup of relationships is because we bring into relationships who we are. We carry our intrapersonal relationship into our interpersonal relationships. So if we have a skewed view or a skewed understanding of our own personal relationship or a, 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 a terrible love-hate relationship with ourselves, that's exactly what we will carry into every other relationship that we have. So man's problems began in the garden with a broken relationship with God. And most of society's problems today are a result of broken relationships. Murder, hate, fatherlessness, fighting, abandonment, rejection, anxieties, depression, divorce, the list is endless. All these things come out of broken relationships. And broken relationships are a result of broken individuals. There's no human experience that is worse than a divorce. <laughs> what is divorce? Divorce is simply the death of a relationship. Divorce is worse than physical death because in physical death, there's a burial. There's a funeral wake, there's crying, and in Africa, there can be a lot of crying. There can be a lot of pretending as well. There's drama. But divorce is death without a burial. Because the person or the individual you divorce yourself from resurrect every time you see them. The resurrection is continuous. And with their resurrections are the emotions, the pains, the hurts of the breakup of that relationship. So I want to share with you some relationship truths that will help us drill down into what we want to speak about today. Relationship truth number one, divorce is impossible without marriage. It's impossible outside the context of relationships. Marriage is impossible without individuals. Marriage is a prerequisite for divorce. You cannot go and ask for a divorce without a marriage. That's simple enough, isn't it? But you know, you cannot get married unless two individuals come to the altar. So, the prerequisite of marriage is individuals, or in this case, singleness. A lot of us are willing to give up our singleness in exchange for marriage. And I heard a yes. But can I submit something to you? That if marriage is at the foundation or is a prerequisite for divorce, then marriage is more important than divorce. And if 
singleness is at the foundation of marriage, then singleness is more important than marriage. Pastor, where are you going with this? Hmm. Here's a principle, write it down. The quality of our relationships is determined by the quality of our singleness. Most of us concentrate on marriage instead of concentrating on singleness. And what is singleness? Singleness is being whole, is being separate, is being unique. And I'm going to get to that very soon. But here are the principles of marriage, and I'm going to go to the scriptures. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Matthew 19, verses 1 to 12. Because Jesus is asked a very interesting question here on relationships. And you and I, everyone in this room has been affected by divorce in one way or the other. If we define divorce as the breakup of a relationship, in one way or the other, it may be the divorce of parents, it may be a divorce of a friendship, it may be a divorce of uh, a relationship that was important to you, or maybe even a divorce from the relationship with God himself. But in this context, Jesus reveals something very profound in Matthew 19. The Pharisees asked Jesus a question. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the Pharisees came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife just for any reason? Listen to Jesus' response. He said, haven't you read, he replied, that in the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said to them, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what God has joined together let no man separate why then they asked did Moses command man to give a wife a certificate of divorce and send her away Jesus replied Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard but it was not this way in the beginning. I tell you that if anyone divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, he commits adultery. The disciples said to him, you, 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 you. If this is the situation between husband and wife, that was Taz's exaggerated version. It is better not to marry and all the single guys said. Whew. Listen to Jesus' response. Not everyone can accept this. This word. But only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that are that way. And there are eunuchs who are made that way by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept this. When Jesus brought this understanding, his disciples said, it would be better that you not marry. What is this understanding that Jesus was giving? They asked him the question about divorce. Jesus, instead of responding to them about divorce goes back to the beginning. In fact, in the beginning, there was no marriage or divorce. In the beginning was an individual. In the beginning, God created a single man and a single woman. So they were focusing on the product, which was marriage, Jesus brings them back to the ingredients of marriage, which is two single individuals. In the beginning, God did not create marriage. He created individuals. He made them 
male and female. God's focus was not the marriage or the divorce, which is the product. God's focus was the ingredients, which is the male and the female. Relationships are only as good as the ingredients. That is the individuals who make up the relationship. Your relationship is only as good as you are. Nothing more, nothing less. You bring into the relationship who you are. You bring into a marriage who you are. Your marriage is only as good as your singleness. I want you to think about that. Your marriage is only as good as your singleness, if we were to use that as an example. That means who you are when you put on the dress and say, I do, is who you are when you take it off and begin your marriage. It, there, there isn't some miraculous thing that takes place by walking down the altar that most of us believe that I'll be transformed into a new individual when I get married. If your feet stink, as I discovered when I got married, when I walk down the altar, my feet will stink when I'm in the marriage. If I leave my clothes on the floor before I got married, I'll leave my clothes on the floor when I am married. It doesn't somehow supernaturally change. If I'm a liar when I walk down the aisle, I'll be a liar in the marriage. And yet most of us have this misconception that somehow I'll be made complete when I get married. No. That is untrue. The problems you walk in with to marriage are the problems you will have in marriage. Your undealt with stuff in singlehood are your undealt with stuff in relationship. And yet we believe somehow these things get taken care of when we say I do and put a ring on our finger. Let me ask this question. If you knew you the way you know you, would you marry you? Then why would you want anyone else to marry you? That's why God starts with the individual, starts off with you, and God wants you and I to focus on you transforming ourselves into the image of Christ-likeness. We spend most of our time wasting energy seeking out relationships or seeking out to be married as an answer to our alone problem and never work on our singleness. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it's good to be single. It's not good to be alone. Problems begin in a relationship when people lose their singleness or lose their love for themselves in their relationships. Because in the relationship, that's when you'll have a skewed relationship. Because one comes into the relationship expecting the other to bring something into the relationship. So they get into the relationship and become needy. They become clingy. They become irritating. They become, oh my. Have you seen people that when you see you just want to walk away? They have a singleness problem. And all these things are where 
evil is birthed. It's not me, it's the Bible. It says the wisdom that is earthly is first, is, is, is first, is, 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 it, it has every evil under it. It's selfish. It envies. What is to envy? Is to want what someone else has for yourself. So if you get into a relationship to get what someone else has to make you complete, what is that? And that's the wrong basis for a relationship. So here are some principles that we quickly want to write down. If you could put just the principles of singleness, put that up. One is singleness is the most important state of human development. If you're going to develop, develop your singleness in him first. From that perspective, you can develop healthy relationships with those around you. Singleness is at the foundation of God's design for the human family. Unlike what is taught that the foundation of humankind is the family, that is not true. God first created Adam gave Adam purpose and vision. And he gave him a set of rules to obey. He gave him instructions. Adam didn't even know it that Adam had an alone problem. God was the one who identified his alone problem and said, it is not good for Adam not to have someone comparable to him, someone he can love who's just like him. So the 6.5 billion people that are on earth today came from one man who God formed out of the dust. Therefore, that goes to point number three. God begins the family institution with single, with a single man. You don't somehow just pop up and poof, we're married. There's some work to do with the individual. And the fourth one is God forever established the foundation stone of relationships through single individuals. What does this mean? Marriage or getting into any relationship does not improve your singleness it exposes it or the lack thereof of it. I discovered that when I got married. The principle of relationships is this. You cannot get out of a relationship what you do not invest. That's why the theme and the title of this series is Relationships. It's the greatest investment you can make. As Pastor Tom said, if we go into relationships with the mentality of what can we get, we have unrealistic expectations. In fact, I don't know why we mess up this principle when we don't do it day to day. You know, anyone who runs a business or anyone who's invested knows that you come with something to invest. You don't just say, I'm here to take out of the bank what you've not put in. Or I'm here to take out of this business what you've not put in. That is called greed. Taking what you've not put in. We know about it in this nation. And we know the results of it where you can come and take something you've not worked for. The principle of relationships is one of investment. It started with God himself. The Bible says, for God so loved you and I that for a relationship, he gave himself, his only begotten son. It has not changed. To expect a return 
in a relationship without investment is greed and selfishness and leads to abuse. So, let's define singleness. What does singleness mean or what does it mean to be single? Before you shoot me all down. Single means this, to be separate, which means you are apart, you are detached, you are different. Stop trying to conform. God made you separate. He says, be holy as I am holy. Don't try and be like every other teenager out there and define that as being cool. God made you separate and unique. Your fingerprint is unique. Your DNA is unique. Who you are is unique. That means you're an original, you're distinctive, you're special. And when you try and bring anything else but who you are into a relationship, you're robbing the relationship. And soon, your fakeness will catch up with you. And when your fakeness catches up with you and catches up with those that you've brought into the relationship, it brings with it pain. Because you created an expectation with your fakeness which you cannot maintain in reality. Single means you're whole. <laughs> I love this one, but we don't have time to go into it. It means you're complete. It means you're unified. It means you're uh, uh, one with self. You're one. You don't have split personalities. You're not getting into relationships saying, I need something. I need to be completed. A marriage is not you bring 50%, I bring 50%. It's, it's, it's a marriage is you bring 100, I bring 100, and we have 100. One plus one equals one. That's God's mathematics for relationship. Because would you like me to bring in 50% of anything and yet expect a 100% return? So why do we do it? Why do we believe somehow we're incomplete when we're single? Hmm? If you believe it, maybe it's so. Work on what is incomplete so that when you come into the relationship, you're not robbing us. You come in complete. And we can complement one another. The Bible says that two are better than one. They give a better return for their labor. And in that it means you bring your part, I bring my part. So you can be unmarried, but not single. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference between being single and being unmarried. We have a lot of unmarried people who are not single. They're looking for someone else to complete them. They are not whole in themselves. They are not unique in themselves. In fact, we move around denying our uniqueness. We come to church and claim to be Christians and we walk out and conform to worldly standards. Our definition of relationships is driven by television and social media. People define themselves today by likes on pages. Yo, that is the craziest thing. And that dichotomy is ridiculous because on their pages they post things so they can get likes. Oh, I'm having the greatest time in the world. Oh, look at this. But in person, they're depressed.
They have a thousand friends, but zero meaningful relationships. That's because they are not whole in themselves. They're not one with who they are. They reject their uniqueness and they're definitely not separate. Our goal should not be to become like everyone else. Our goal must be to become like the one we see in the mirror. Only from that perspective and context of being like him, of being like Christ, can we truly love ourselves? And from truly loving ourselves, can we truly love someone else? So Jesus went on in Matthew 19. <laughs> and he said this. He says, the only reason you and I should leave our mother and father's house is if we found a person who is single. Go ahead and read it. It says, in the beginning, for this reason, he says, in the beginning, God created the male and female. For this reason, for the reason that God created them unique, separate, whole as male and a female, shall you and I leave our mother and father's house and cleave to someone else. The only reason we're to leave and cleave in marriage is when we have found someone who is in the beginning. So why do you have an expectation to be married when you're not working towards to be in the beginning? To be single, to be separate, to be unique, to be whole. I've never counseled someone who wanted to marry a robber. I've never counseled anyone who wanted to marry a robber. Everyone has this perfect picture of who they would like to marry. If we all don't want to marry robbers or to be in relationship with robbers, why are we bringing robbers into relationships? Because when you bring your fake self into a relationship, you're a robber. When you refuse to work on you and yet desire relationship and covenant, you're a robber. So, Genesis 1 to 4 is broken up into two. Genesis 1 to 2 speaks of man's relationship in the garden with God. Genesis 3 and 4 speaks of man's relationship out of the garden in the bush. God wants us to be with people who are in the garden. That is, people who are in his presence, not bushmen. Bushmen is our fallen state. What are you saying, Pastor? Should we not engage in relationships? No. Not saying that. I'm saying if we are going to get into relationships, let's understand why we're getting into relationships. And understand that we are contributors in those relationships. We're not getting into relationships to take. We're getting into relationships to invest and give. And it's not to give anything less than the best of ourselves. So it's okay, more than okay, to be single. It's not okay to be alone. That's why we have community. That's why we have church. That's why in these contexts we have cell groups, because it's in places of community, it's in places where we fellowship with one another that we can begin to have people that sharpen us. Iron sharpens iron. 
But do you know that as iron sharpens iron, there's a lot of friction and heat. Who are you walking with that's sharpening you? Who? God puts us in a community like this so our singleness can be sharpened. Why would you go and look for a person to marry in the bush? The people we marry should come from the garden. That's God's presence. If your boy or your girl does not like God's presence, they're bushmen. And if, 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 if you get into a relationship with a bushman, chances are they're going to be a bushman in your marriage and in your relationship. Oh, you know, just believing, believing God will touch him. You know, you know, all things are possible with God. What's impossible with man? Easy to obtain, hard to maintain. If you got him in the bush, you're going to need to maintain him in the bush. If you got her in the bush, you're going to need to maintain her in the bush. Outside of a divine miracle, which most times doesn't happen, So don't come to pastor saying, hey, pastor. If the guy cannot raise his hands in church, he will not raise his hands at home. No matter how cool he is, no matter how nice the car is, no matter how slick he is, that relationship is heading one way. It's called disappointment because that man has not learned to love himself as he loves to love God as he loves himself the only way we can love ourselves correctly is by having a relationship with him so I believe that in this season God will begin to blind the eyes of young men and women in this church to worldly ways and romantic fantasies that you've put upon yourselves that have blinded you to see the goodness of God that is before you in the house of God that as you pursue truth and wholeness, uniqueness, separateness, singleness in Him, your eyes are open to what's before you. Truth is, we cannot see the light when we are in the dark. We cannot see the light when we're in the dark, steeped in darkness. When you're in darkness, you find darkness. Until light is shown, then you begin to walk towards the light. But you cannot see in darkness. And the reason that we may not see the God-given relationships and God-destined relationships that God has for us is because we're in darkness. We have the wrong perception and wrong understanding of God's will and intent for relationships. So the purpose of this series is to shine the light that you and I may see what God's will is and what his truth is. Alone, which God says is not good, means exclusive, isolated, solitary. That's what God says is not good. And it's sad for me, and I've been through this, I've also walked this walk. Jeez, I got married at 35. In fact, I was 35 going on 50. <laughs> My maturity said I was 50, but I was 35 years. 
in age. And that exasperated things. Imagine standing up here as your pastor, unmarried. All sorts of rumors flew around. Hmm? And that brings a depression of its own. And you know what? The tendency is to then isolate yourself. Put yourself in solitary. Say something is wrong with me. Get depressed. I want to encourage you. That's not going to get you out of the hole that you're in. God wants you in community. God wants you in relationship with your fellow brethren. The enemy wants to separate you. The way a lion hunts is it separates its prey and attacks it on its own. If you're here today and for one reason or the other, you've isolated yourself, you've made yourself exclusive, you've put yourself in a solitary place. And that may not just be for those that are single. It may also be for those that are married because they find themselves in a tough situation. That's not where God wants you to be. And that's why God puts you in community like this, puts you in relationships where you can work things out with one another. Sharpen one another. So I want to encourage you. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it is good to be single. It is not good to be alone. That's why we encourage you to be in cell. Family cell, men's cell, ladies cell, youth cell, business cell, whatever cell. Get into community. And for God's sake, how do you want to meet someone when you're out of community? And when you do meet someone, who is the bouncing board and the council that you're going to turn to to say, hey, what do you think? You know me. You've seen me. I've met Most of us fall into the world's trap that pursuing someone is done in secret. It's done in the dark. Then when you're ready to marry, you expose them to the light. Oh, that's such a skewed way of doing things. You expose to the light so that what is dark may flee. That's why we encourage in this church that you don't do counseling when you're ready to say, I do. When you meet someone, that's the time for counsel. You get counsel from those you are walking with in cell. You get counsel from those who are your leaders within the church. You get counsel from those who have seen you and have done life with you. You sit down with marriage counselors, with those that have made good decisions and bad decisions, and you hear their counsel. We counsel in this church that you do your courtship counseling the moment you begin a relationship with someone. Because you are exposing everything to the light. So I want to encourage anyone. If you're in a relationship and you somehow feel, oh, when we're ready, that's when we'll step forward. It may be too late. We have our counseling couples teams in the foyer today. If you're in a relationship and you have no counsel around you, we are offering you counsel to help you in this journey. To help you work on your singleness so that you bring into the union wholeness. They'll be in the main foyer and in the B foyer today. Sign up with them. Oh, unless if you want to keep it in the dark. You know what? Bushmen thrive when they hide. They thrive. There's no bushman that hunts in the open. To catch their prey, they hide. That's why when Adam and Eve fell, God came and said, where were you? What were they doing? They were bushmen. They were doing what bushmen do, hide. Bushmen hide what shames them. 
And they take you to the altar with hidden stuff. Men and women of God live in the garden. They go to the altar in the light. And they say, even though I may have faults, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am not perfect, but I'm striving for Christ-likeness. That's the attitude. I, I may not have it all together, but man, I'm on a journey to get it all together through Christ who strengthens me. So as we close today, I want to encourage everyone here. That singleness is not a disadvantage. Singleness is what you and I will have for life. And is what we bring into relationships. Singleness must be a pursuit. And if you're single, nothing is wrong with you. Keep pursuing him. Whether you are in marriage or you're out of marriage. If you're unmarried, nothing is wrong with you. Keep pursuing your singleness. And believe me, your singleness makes you more attractive, not unattractive. If you're alone, get into community. And community doesn't mean jump into a covenantal relationship because that's serious business. Get into community with others because that's what God created us for. He didn't create us to walk alone. He created us for community. And the first community God created for any human being is the community of relationship with him. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.